Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, November 15th. I'm Desiree Frazier. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show... The state's Real Estate Commission says the housing market is taking a dip and the number of realtors in Mississippi may soon follow that trend. Then the tax credit for crisis pregnancy centers could be increasing. But we talked to one health care provider who says she's not getting vital resources to help expectant mothers. Plus, the State Board of Education approves new pre-K programs. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The state's housing market is leveling off amid rising inflation, according to real estate professionals. MPB's Kobe Vance reports that could mean a decline in the number of licensed agents. Fewer homes are being sold each year in Mississippi, and leadership with the Real Estate Commission says the state's housing market is expected to see a continued decline in the coming year. During a hearing called by the Senate Allocation Subcommittee with the Real Estate Commission, Administrator Robert Prater shared his concerns with lawmakers. Approximately 36% of all the real estate licensees have had no transactions this year. We have lots of people who use real estate as a second job, but 36% of them had neither a buy or a sale. It's pretty dramatic. Prater says there are thousands of real estate license applications being processed, but he's expecting decline. He says waning interest and the shrinking number of houses on the market could contribute to a drop in real estate professionals over the coming year. The inventory around the state for homes that are offered for sale has decreased by over 50% year over year. It is not possible for 14,000 people to survive with the kind of inventory that we have. Despite this economic forecast given to lawmakers, Prater says the commission is seeking to cut the fees they pass on to realtors. Current plans could eliminate roughly $500,000 in revenue for the agency. Kobe Vance, MPB News. Next, the tax credit for crisis pregnancy centers could be increasing. But we talked to one health care provider who says she's not getting vital resources to help expectant mothers. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. 
Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. The Mississippi Speaker of the House wants to expand a tax credit program for pregnancy resource centers. In the spring, legislators passed a bill creating a $3.5 million tax credit to help fund the centers following the U.S. Supreme Court's Dobbs decision. The opinion overturned Roe v. Wade and allowed a near-total abortion ban to become law in Mississippi. Health officials say this could lead to roughly 5,000 new births in the state. Gunn says he would like to see the tax credit, that's Philip Gunn, increased to $10 million because that's the total combined operating budget for pregnancy centers eligible under the tax credit. But not all care centers can currently benefit from the new legislation. Getty Israel, the founder of Sisters in Birth, says her organization doesn't meet eligibility standards under the current law. Israel says funding and assistance to help those giving birth is absent at every level of government. She tells our Lacey Alexander she would like to see a shift in how lawmakers support maternal health care, starting with her congressman, Democrat Benny Thompson. I live in his district. My business is in his district. We intend to build uh, a birth center in his district. And most of the disparities are in his district. And so I've been trying for a number of years now, uh, at least since 2017, uh, to engage his office, his staff, his policy staff uh, around this issue. And they have shown little to no interest. The CDC announced this year that once again, our state has the highest fetal deaths, deaths that are occurring in utero. Uh, the highest uh, low birth weight babies, highest infant mortality, one of the highest maternal mortalities, the highest rates of C-sections in this nation. And it happens every year. And yet there's been no leadership at the federal level to address this issue. Now, Mississippi, uh, 50% of Mississippi's counties are maternity deserts. More hospitals are closing. Uh, That means more OB units are closing. We already have maternity deserts. It's just getting worse. And with the abortion ban, we're expecting maybe 5,000. On average, 5,000 abortions occurred over the last five years. So let's say 5,000 new babies enter this health care system as it is in its current condition. We're not ready. Our current health care system is associated with all of those disparity rates I just gave you. So we need an alternative. We need to provide an alternative, an evidence-based alternative to Mississippi women, especially black women and Native American women who have the worst numbers, disparities. And that evidence-based solution, which is feasible, which is recommended by the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, is to build freestanding birth centers in our state uh, to address these issues. And Congressman Thompson should be jumping all over this, and he shows no interest. He's absent, as my article says. He's been absent, and he's running for his 14th term. He has 29 years in office. What does he intend to accomplish around this issue? 
Why do you think that this issue is being overlooked? In your opinion, why are these problems not being attacked with any urgency right now? That's a very good question. And I think it really has to do with the fact that most of the women who are and babies who are experiencing these deplorable uh, ex- uh, uh, rates, if you will, disparities, are black. And most of them are poor. So black, poor, female, they don't really have a voting uh, they don't have a voting, they don't have voting clout. They're not as actively uh, engaged, that is, politically. They don't have lobbyists. They don't, they don't have political action committees representing their interests. Black women are not represented. Their interests are not represented. And black women are doing a poor job. Uh, those who are in leadership positions, including the legislature. We have a lot of black women in legislature. I have gone to the state legislature and asked those black women to help. And the first thing they say is, I'm going to name Deborah Gibbs as one. Uh, There's another senator. I can't think of her name right now. She's been in the office longer than some of us have been in the world. And I can't help you. And that's what I get. I can't help you. And these are black females. I've met with the black caucus, and I spoke and shared this crisis and it, is, it was as though I was speaking to the wall. There was no sense of urgency. I've gone to Senator Hillman Frazier. That's a black guy who's represented Hines County for probably as long as uh, Congressman Ben Thompson has. And he wouldn't even make a phone call for me. They won't make phone calls. They won't organize meetings. They won't meet with the stakeholders. And I think it's because they take black life for granted. And yet they have the audacity to point to white Republicans as being the problem. I think Democrats are also the problem because Democrats are not leading on this issue either. Now, I understand that Republicans control our state government. I get that. I understand, therefore, that Democrats don't have the votes. That doesn't stop Democrats at the state or federal level from working with organizations like mine, CBOs, to come up with a strategic plan to address these issues. We are ready and we are trying to address these issues, but we get no support from the Democratic legislature legislature, or from Democratic politicians, not on the state, not on the local, and not on the federal level. Totally dis, a total disconnect, unlike the Republican Party that works very closely with the pregnancy resource centers or pregnancy crisis centers, as they are also known. They work with their constituents. They work with their advocates. Democrats do not. But to answer your question, I think that if these were white mothers and white babies, dying at the rate and suffering these disparities at the rates that black people are, then yes, it would be treated as an urgent matter. It is not. Tell me in concrete terms what you need from these legislators and lawmakers to make this problem um, ease up a little bit. I need funding. I've gone to the state. There was a bill introduced on my behalf to raise funding to build the birth center. It died in committee. I've gone to Congressman Thompson with the same proposal. He didn't, I think he ignored it. His office ignored it. I'm trying to raise $6 million to build Mississippi's first freestanding birth center, a rural health facility in Hines County, with the plan to replicate that model using community, using community health workers and certified nurse midwives working together to address underlying risk factors that OBs tend to ignore, like obesity, like uh, obesity-induced maternal morbidities. So we need funding to build the facility. We need funding to build a guest house so women will have a place to stay. Those women who are traveling on average of one hour one way should not have this experience. They should at least have a place to stay before they go into labor so it doesn't occur on the road. So this concept, this proposal includes 
the freestanding birth center. Uh, it also includes the guest house for women and their families to stay in while they're ha- having the experience or having the birthing experience. I need to raise $6 million for the first facilities. And then we need to replicate this model across the state. Now, hospitals will continue to close and doctors will continue to retire, which is what's going on now. OBs are retiring and they are not going into the underserved areas. We can go into these underserved areas with this model, this evidence-based model that has been shown to significantly improve birth outcomes as well as reduce medical costs. So it makes no sense that a state or federal uh, politician would not get behind this. I think they simply don't care. That's what I need. Getty, for people who are listening who maybe don't understand the brevity of this issue, tell us what you've seen. Tell us what you know about this problem. Tell me experiences that you've had with these mothers that makes you so passionate about this issue. I mean, well, I've been, thank you for the question, I've been working in public health since uh, 2006, since graduate school. And uh, we have low health literacy rates among the population that's most at risk. That is the same population that is more likely to have sought out an abortion. We see the same risk factors, obesity, lack of social support, meaning they're usually not married, uh, low, um, low uh, health literacy rate, not understanding how to navigate the healthcare system, not understanding how their lifestyle choices affect their pregnancy and their birth outcomes. And so when we intervene at the very early stages of pregnancy, which is what we do, as soon as a mom or a woman establishes that she's pregnant, we began to intervene in her life by helping her to identify and to change those things that are going to be problematic later on. So this intervention works. Black women are three times more likely to die uh, after having a baby, and they're more likely to, five times more likely, to, to develop preeclampsia. We have to prevent these things on the front end, and you prevent them on the front end by changing behavior and conditions that lead to these outcomes. It does not take a rocket science to know that Mississippi has an obesity problem as well as smoking. And so intervention, which is a public health concept, intervention is what we need to be doing. So we have, we have this healthcare system in place that is driven by dependent, that is driven by expediency and I think profits. I don't think this healthcare system is racist. I think this healthcare system is classist and I think this healthcare system is driven by dollars and expediency. And so we are trying to change that healthcare system, not the one that exists. We're trying to modify it, augment it to include the nurse midwife, the community health worker within the freestanding birth center. And our numbers will continue to grow um, and simply extending Medicaid isn't the answer because if you extend Medicaid, what's the, what, what will be the benefit? Well, more women will get to go see a doctor after they've had their babies for 12 months. If they're going into the same doctor's office to have the same experience, more than likely they're going to get a drug medication. Drug medication does not change behavior. We need to change behavior. We need to change those risk factors that are modifiable. And so until that happens, we're going to continue, our numbers are going to continue to get worse for our state. Getty Israel, thank you so much for chatting with us today. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity.
A group of Mississippi doctors opposed to abortion file a lawsuit over ambiguity in the state's abortion ban. The Mississippi Justice Institute filed the lawsuit for the American Association of Pro-Life Obstetricians and Gynecologists against the State Board of Medical Licensure yesterday. They contend the ban must be clarified to protect them from possible punishment by medical institutions. The lawsuit argues while the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, the state Supreme Court must overturn its 1998 opinion, abortion is a right protected by the state constitution. As of today, they contend elective abortions appear to be statutorily illegal and constitutionally protected at the same time. Coming up, the State Board of Education approves new pre-K programs. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. When you look at your vehicle, think of MPB. Need to get rid of your ride? Donate it by calling 877-MPB-4-CAR. Need to have some work done on your truck? Listen to AutoCorrect Thursdays at 10, Saturdays at 11. An MPB license plate reminds you that MPB is with you wherever you go. Go to your county office and ask for an MPB car tag. MPB and cars, better together. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. The State Board of Education is awarding over $15 million in grants to school districts in the state for pre-K programs. These state-invested programs will reportedly have the capacity to serve roughly 1,000 children across 50 classrooms over three years. Dr. Jill Dent is the Bureau Director of Early Childhood for the Mississippi Department of Education. She shares more with our Lacey Alexander. The majority of the funding could be used on um, teacher salary and fringe, um, assistant salary and fringe, um, but then they can purchase um, materials for the classroom. They can, you know, be able to set up their classrooms with these funds. Um, but we look at um, specific points of, of this funding going towards ensuring that this is a high-quality environment for, the, for our four-year-olds that will be served, you know, making sure that their teachers um, have an early childhood degree or an education degree with a specialization in early childhood, uh, that they have professional development that they need um, throughout the year, uh, that they have a class size that are no more than 20 class, 20 children in the classroom. Their um, staff-child ratio is 1 to 10, so they have to keep that within that ratio to ensure quality. Um, we also will expect them to conduct screenings and um, referrals for the children that need those. And, um, you know, with this funding comes the responsibility of um, the department providing a coaching aspect for these classrooms. So our staff at the department will go out and um, support the teachers within the classroom and be able to give them the additional um, help that they may need or um, be able to support them in different 
ways to have additional strategies within their classroom to support the children in those classrooms to have great outcomes. Gotcha. And I understand that early childhood is kind of your expertise. Um, Talk to me about why these grants specifically are going um, to pre-K classrooms. Did you guys see an issue or a need in pre-K classrooms in the state of Mississippi? Do you guys just really strongly believe in the importance of that grade level? Tell me why this money specifically is going to those pre-K students. So... This funding was specific in our appropriation bill to go to pre-K. Um, but um, besides that, we believe that pre-K is really important for a number of reasons. Um, you know, not only that they're getting ready to have the foundation of reading and be able to go into kindergarten ready in that aspect, and but to be able to have the skills to be able to work cooperatively with their their peers in their classroom and to follow directions and, you know, be able to um, engage in the classroom with um, the responsibility of the rules that they would have in the classroom and all of those pieces um, being flexible in their thinking, you know, role-playing and different things like that, that helps. Those skills help these children become functional adults and and be able to have a uh, productive adulthood in society. And we really, um, you know, during that four-year-old year, it is the prime time to teach children these particular skills and so not only are they learning the academic portion but they're learning the social portion um, and being able to learn these lifelong skills that help them prepare and be part of society a successful part of society Gotcha. And Dr. Dent, I understand that this went through the 2022 legislative session um, where $20 million was appropriated in new state funding to the MDE. Um, in that proposal process or in whatever process it took to get that approved, is there anything that maybe you guys suggested or requested that was not granted to you? Or did you pretty much see your plan come to fruition in the legislative session as you planned uh, prior? So, you know, uh, we also received um, extra funding for our early learning collaborative grants, and so we're really excited about that. Um, This was an additional funding that um, we did not anticipate, but we were able to um, make this happen um, within the the funding year and get these out so that um, programs could... um, receive this funding to be able to serve children um, no later than next August. So um, we're really excited and and anticipate additional early learning collaboratives with the funding that we received last, last uh, session. And so, uh, you know, we're really hopeful that in the next sessions that we – Um, see additional funding for pre-K because we do believe that, you know, this particular year, their four-year-old year, really helps set them up for kindergarten. It creates a um, pathway of success for them, Um, and it 
gets them ready for um, moving across the hall for kindergarten. Um, and that's what we typically see is pre-K is on one side and kindergarten's on the other side. And it creates for a really smooth transition into kindergarten. And so, um, you know, we really hope to see additional funding. Um, and, you know, I believe that um, in our request to the legislature that we um, requested additional funding for our early learning collaborative grants. Dr. Dunn, is there anything you'd like to tell our listeners that maybe I forgot to ask you today? You know, I, I just really, um, the state is really on a trajectory for um, supporting early learning. Um, everyone sees the benefit of it, and we just need to keep pushing forward for that. Awesome. Dr. Jill Dent, MDE's Borough Director of Early Childhood, thank you so much for chatting with me today. Thank you for your time. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.